Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Zach Crow Sports Podcast. We are here today breaking down everything that went down in week number 7 of the NFL season. We will get right into all of it. The San Francisco 49ers, they lose on Sunday night football to the Indianapolis Colts. I'll tell you guys why. Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion, as more and more time goes on, I'm starting to lose a little bit more faith in him. Usually, historically, I've been a big fan. Recently, that has not been the case after he's gotten off to a pretty poor start. We'll get into the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, the work that he's been able to do with Jamar Chase has been phenomenal. I've been really impressed with them. We'll get into Kansas City. They get blown out by the Tennessee Titans. We'll also start off today's show with our weekly Around the League segment. It is crazy how fast the football season goes each and every year. The fact that we already are in week number eight. We are going to be approaching week number eight is nuts. Um, Weather is starting to get cold. There is nothing better than uh, going outside and just really feeling that crisp football weather. So that's exciting. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talking some NFL with you guys today. But before I start, you guys know the drill. If you want to follow me on social media, the Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L, Twitter, K-Z-K-R-U-L-L-3, excuse me, Z-K-R-U-L-L-3, and YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. Every individual segment of this show is published straight to the YouTube channel. Also, keep an eye out. College basketball content will be coming as soon as the season starts. I really can't wait to discuss some college hoops with you guys along with the NFL. So, it's time to talk some football. This is the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Let's get to it. We start this show on Mondays with one segment. It is time to go around the league and discuss each and every NFL game from week number seven. I love talking about each and every team for a minute or two, giving you guys my perspectives on all of the 13 games that went on during week number seven of the NFL. So, Hit the music. Without further ado, let's do this thing around the league, NFL, Week 7 edition. Here we go. Thursday Night Football, the Cleveland Browns with a big 17-14 win over the Broncos. Without Baker Mayfield, without Nick Chubb, without Kareem Hunt, Cleveland was super banged up going into this one. And I really do think... This was a game that if the Browns wanted to make the playoffs, given just how good and just how deep the AFC is as a conference right now, this was such a big game for the Browns because, look, they were super disappointing in that game against the Arizona Cardinals. And even though the Broncos got off to a really good start at 3-0, they really weren't playing an NFL schedule. They legitimately played three of the worst teams in the league, and then they play Baltimore. They play the Raiders, and they just get absolutely destroyed. I do think that the Broncos need a quarterback, and Vic Fangio is on the hot seat right now. It is not looking good. If you're Denver, Teddy Bridgewater, you just need an upgrade at that position. He's an elite-level backup, but not a starting quarterback if your team wants to win and if your team wants to win big. Good job by Cleveland. I'm still not 100% confident in what their future holds. They need to get healthier. And I don't think the downgrade from Case Keenum to Baker Mayfield is that big. Honestly, I was impressed with how Case Keenum did leading the team. And how about Dearness Johnson? 22 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown. What a story. 
good win for the Browns, keeping themselves in that AFC playoff picture and that race in the AFC North. The Packers beat the Washington football team by a final score of 24-10. to Good win for the Packers. They are now sitting at 6-1 following that debacle of a Week 1 game against the New Orleans Saints. I've said it multiple times on this show. I've been really impressed with, since that game against the Saints, the Packers' effort to bounce back, and even when they're in close games, even when they're in adversity, they always just find a way to win, especially in the regular season. I know that ultimately this Packers season is going to depend on how they do in the playoffs, but they are just running away with the NFC North once again, and Washington is just so disappointing. They are another team that needs a clear quarterback upgrade going forward. I thought Taylor Heineke would be good enough to win a somewhat weak NFC East with what they had, but clearly Dallas is the better team. Washington doesn't have a chance to win games when their defense is playing like one of the worst units in the league, and that's exactly what happened. The Washington football team, after one decent year of winning the division, keep in mind with only a record of 7-9, and nine, even with good uh, playmakers like Gibson and McLaurin, the Washington football team is not good right now, and I do think their defense has a lot to do with it. They are now sitting with a record of 2-5. and five. How about the Tennessee Titans? And we're going to deep dive into this game a little bit later. They flat out destroy the Kansas City Chiefs and win that game by a final score of 27-3. to three. And it's funny because Patrick Mahomes just did not play well in this game. And he still is fine. I do think that even though the Chiefs have really been struggling, their defense and really their coaching are the main concerns with me for Kansas City. Mahomes isn't playing as elite as he was at times throughout the start of his career, but I still think he is the best quarterback in the NFL. He will be fine, but the Chiefs just turn the ball over way too much. And when you have a defense that is as bad as theirs, you're just not going to win many football games that way. And we're going to dive deeper into Kansas City's problems uh, the last segment of the show. But good win for Tennessee in a span of six days, even though both games were at home. If you were to tell any Titans fan before the start of the season that in back-to-back weeks, in a span of six days nonetheless, they would find a way to beat Buffalo and Kansas City. I understand Kansas City is not playing well right now, but they that's a big win for any team. And the fact that Tennessee blew them out 27-3, it was great to see A.J. Brown finally get involved. He looked healthy, and when he is out there balling, he's a game changer. He really helps out Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry didn't even embarrass the Chiefs' defense as much as many people expected him to, and they were still able to find a way to win. I'm impressed by the Titans. I want to see what they do next week in a big road game against the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts playing much better after their win on Sunday Night Football against the 49ers. That game, if Tennessee could win on the road in Indy, it might just give them the path to the AFC South crown. And look, up until a couple weeks ago, I didn't consider Tennessee as a legitimate threat in the AFC, but their defense holding Kansas City to only three points, their offense continuing to roll, they're an absolutely a threat right now. Good win for the Titans. The Falcons, they win their second game in a row to move to 3-3. Three and three. They beat the Dolphins in South Beach by a final score of 30-28. to 28. And Matt Ryan looked good in this game. 336 yards, two touchdowns. I will give Tua Tugavailoa credit. Given everything happening in the news off the field with the Miami Dolphins just always finding their name right in the middle 
of the Deshaun Watson rumors, that has to be a hard position for a young quarterback like Tua Tugavailoa to be in. But at the same time, he played well in this game. The problem with the Miami Dolphins is not Tua right now. It is way more than him. And I like Brian Flores. He did such a good job with this Dolphin team throughout his first two years. However, year three, when we finally put some expectations on his plate, he has not been able to get the job done. Chris Greer, in my opinion, is looking at the hot seat given that he drafted Tua over Justin Herbert. I know that Tua isn't terrible. He's played all right the last couple games. But the bottom line is this. You're going to get judged by wins and losses. And you lost to the Jaguars. You lost to the Falcons. These are games that if you're the Dolphins, you just need to find a way to win. And now Chris Greer, after getting Jalen Waddle, they thought he was the missing piece. And look, I like Jalen Waddle. He's a good player. But you don't have a first-round pick now, which is not good considering you're 1-6. And, and you are nowhere close to being a good team. I think what not a lot of people realize is even if the Dolphins do get Deshaun Watson and he's all cleared and ready to play, are the Dolphins a team that with him, are they good enough to win football games? I still don't think so. Probably, besides Kansas City, the most disappointing team in the NFL right now goes to Miami. And look, with the way the Panthers are playing, the Falcons are climbing their way up in the NFC South standings. Kyle Pitts looks like he's pretty good. I still really don't like the fact They took a tight end with the number four overall pick when realistically they're not very close to winning big. But hey, the Falcons have always been a team that could put up a lot of points. We know their defense isn't good and uh, they find a way to go into Miami and win 30 to 28. How about the Patriots? They beat the Jets by a final score of 54 to 13. And man, Bill Belichick just loves running up the score on the New York Jets. And look, The thing as a Jet fan that bothered me the most about this game is the main problem with the Jets throughout the start of this season has been the fact that with a rookie quarterback, there's some talent on this roster, but this isn't the most talented roster in the league. This is not a roster that could afford to just game after game get off to a 17-0 deficit. Before you blink, the Patriots were up 14-0 in this game. When you have a rookie quarterback who is now injured, by the way, we hope Zach Wilson gets hurt, but that is the last thing as a Jet fan you wanted to see. The Jets have now lost Zach Wilson, Carl Lawson, um, Mekhi Becton. This, uh, Marcus May has been banged up. C.J. Mosley didn't play in this game. There are so many guys for this Jet team that have gone down with injuries. And look, Robert Sala, I know it's six, seven games, it really has not been a good start. When I got this, when the Jets got this guy, I thought he would really provide the energy. That's all he did when he was the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. And instead, he's just been on the sideline. We haven't seen anything. Coach LaFleur has not done a good job getting this offense off to good starts. Zach hasn't really been efficient. And now the Jets have to give up draft capital for Joe Flacco. When you have a young quarterback, you have to do your best to put him in a good position to succeed. And the New York Jets have really done the exact opposite. Mac Jones looked all right in this game. Once again, he's not a quarterback that's going to really throw the ball more than 15 yards. But for the first time all season, it really did seem like the Patriots were finally able to get a little bit of a running game going, which is a huge help, especially when you have a young quarterback like Mac Jones, Damian Harris, looked like the real deal new england's weapons still don't scare me but i feel like their defense is good enough to just keep them in a lot of games so good job by mac jones 
and Bill Belichick, we always always know he just absolutely hates the Jets and will run up the score on them every time he gets. The New York Giants, they beat the Carolina Panthers at MetLife Stadium by a final score of 25 to 20 or to 25 to 3. Daniel Jones out here making one-handed catches for Big Blue in this one and for the first time all season, the New York Giants defense looked like the unit that we were able to see last year win them some football games by themselves. Like the Giants defense was a top 12 unit in the NFL last year, and they brought back a lot of the same names, but up to this point, it hasn't necessarily performed. But they really shut down Sam Darnold, who, by the way, the Panthers were my team. I predicted them to make the playoffs before the start of the season, and after their their 3-0 start, they were looking really good. But since Christian McCaffrey has gone down, this just has not been the same team and I still like Matt Rule I still believe in him as a head coach but it's just frustrating I watched the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football and I don't think they're significantly better than Carolina even considering Carolina beat them on the same field but the Panthers offensive line has really regressed their defense has regressed and their quarterback got benched for a guy who played in the AAF like that one interception Darnold threw literally right into the hands of the New York Giant defender unacceptable and maybe what we saw with the Jets we saw Sam Darnold return to his former confines his former home field at MetLife Stadium and he like so many times he did in a Jet uniform put on a clunker in a game that I thought the Carolina Panthers really needed to have that was a disappointing loss for Carolina a disappointing performance by Sam Darnold the Panthers are in trouble after a 3-0 start just like the Broncos they're now sitting at 3-4 how about the Cincinnati Bengals The biggest winner of week number seven, in my opinion, was Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Bengals, who went into Baltimore, beating the Ravens by a final score of 41-17. to Jamar Chase in this game, ready for this? Eight catches, 201 yards, and a touchdown. And this guy is unbelievable. He's really averaging 100 yards a game, and the Bengals look legit. Their defense is one of the more undervalued units in the league. It's one of the more surprising units in the NFL. And they schooled Baltimore. We all know it, guys. The Ravens were one of the hottest teams in the NFL going into this game. We saw what they were able to do to a very good Charger team. And the Bengals, what makes the NFL so great is every year there's a team that just comes out of absolute nowhere and finds themselves in the playoffs. We know the history of the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a team that has not won a playoff game since the early 1990s, and they have a guy in Joe Burrow at quarterback who is an absolute superstar, and with him and Jamar Chase, they're going to go as far as those guys take the Bengals. I'm not totally concerned about Baltimore. I'm just telling you, the Bengals are legit. For them to go on the road in this spot, not only win – But they dominated the Ravens. What a performance by Joe Burrow. What a performance by the Bengals. Let's move on to the 4 o'clock games. I've been really impressed with what the Las Vegas Raiders have been able to do the past two weeks since John Gruden was let go. And it's funny because when a situation like that happens, one of two things could go down. The Raiders could just quit. No one really expected John Gruden to resign until it really happened. Like, And that second report with all the emails came out. But it's clear. The Raiders' working environment and the, the feel around their team with John Gruden in charge 
it was just a little weird. Things had to be a little tense. John Gruden is the kind of guy that just walks around the locker room throwing F-bombs. It's a little bit of an environment I've heard that was just tense. And we saw the couple executives who left the Raiders prior to the start of the season. The Raiders, you see it in Derek Carr's face, have just been a more relaxed team since John Gruden uh, resigned. And Rich Basaccia has done a really good job having this Raider team totally ready to play in their first two games without Gruden. And all of a sudden, Derek Carr is back to uh, playing like an MVP candidate. Listen to this, 31 of 34, a very accurate performance for DC, 323 yards, two touchdowns. The only concern I would have if I'm a Raider fan is as much as you love Josh Jacobs, this guy always has trouble staying healthy. And the fact you were able to put up 33 points without a guy like Darren Waller in the lineup, that's a really good sign in my opinion. If you're a Raider fan going forward, I'm not too thrilled with the Eagles. They're now sitting at 2-5. and five. The more I watch Nick Sirianni, the less I like him. Miles Sanders was uh, injured in this game. It's looking like he's going to be out a couple weeks. Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott are now going to be expected to carry the load for the Eagles. I think they're done 2-5. and five. As much as I like Jalen Hurts, I think he could be a fine backup in the league. I think the Eagles need to find themselves a franchise quarterback going forward to give themselves a legitimate chance to win football games. How about the Los Angeles Rams? They beat the Lions by a final score of 28-19. to There were some major storylines going into this one. Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff facing off against their former teams, respectively. And it's interesting because when you look at the Rams in this game, it was competitive. The Lions were able to be a little bit more competitive than most people thought. Dan Campbell was able to pull out all of the tricks, going with an onside kick, going with a fake punt, really coaching this game like it was Madden in real life. But the Rams were just too good. Matthew Stafford is just that much better than Jared Goff. We know why the Rams were so intent on making an upgrade at the quarterback position when they did a decent amount of winning throughout Jared Goff's time under center. But listen to this, Cooper Cup, 10 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Like Jamar Chase, he is one of the five best wide receivers in the NFL right now. The chemistry that he's instantly gained with Matthew Stafford has been very impressive. Robert Woods continues to get going. How about Panay Sewell finding himself in the middle of a scrum with Aaron Donald? For a rookie to be doing that, I give him props. But nice job by the Rams. They're now 6-1 and one and still somehow, some way, they are not in first place in the NFC West thanks to the Arizona Cardinals. They beat the Houston Texans by a final score of 31-5. to Arizona got the safe, or let up the safety to start off this game. Houston was up 2-0. But in the second half, Arizona outscores Houston 14-0. DeAndre Hopkins finds the end zone in his first game against his former team. Zach Ertz with three catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown in this game as well. Arizona, they mean business, and they have the big Thursday night game at home against the Packers coming up this week. It's looking like Devontae Adams and others uh, for the Packers are not going to be out due to COVID-19 and protocols there. Uh, Adams was actually placed on the COVID list. He's going to need two negative tests in the next couple of days in order to play. That's looking unlikely. But look, 
Cliff Kingsbury always has the Cardinals ready to play. It's the Houston Texans, so this game didn't necessarily tell me that much. But Arizona's looking like a playoff team. They're looking like a team that is going to be right on top of the NFC. And when you look at this conference as a whole, the five of in no order, Arizona, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Buccaneers, the playoffs between those five teams are going to be absolutely insane. I think the other two spots in this conference are pretty wide open. Maybe the Saints and the Vikings have the edge going forward. But that was an impressive job by Arizona, really showing no mercy against Houston. Speaking of no mercy, Tampa Bay crushes Chicago, beating the Bears by a final score of 38-3. to And the one thing I'll say starting off with this game is if I were that fan that somehow, someway got the Tom Brady 600th ball for Mike Evans, wouldn't you have just ran with it and sold it online, make sure you and your loved ones are taken care of, and everyone would have had the opportunity to buy and bid on that ball, including Tom Brady? I know the deal. He got a a $1,000 gift card to the Buccaneers team shop. Mike Evans gave him a jersey, and it was also cool to see Tom Brady uh, engage with that fan uh, who had the sign saying that Tom Brady helped him beat cancer. But I will say, the Bears were disappointing in this game. Justin Fields never legitimately had a shot to compete. The Bears' offensive line was an absolute joke. And once again, Tampa Bay's front seven really does a good job shielding the fact that their secondary is just super banged up. It was funny to see Richard Sherman on the sideline as a legitimate coach. And Tom Brady's just playing so well at this point in his career that... The Buccaneers are still a team that you can't mess with going forward. It was crazy to see Tom Brady on the Manning cast last night saying that uh, like a, it was like a specific deed or a specific characteristic about a Saints corner because the Buccaneers have the Saints next week. The GOAT is just wired differently. He always has football on his mind. He is just smarter than you. He wants it more than you. He is willing to work harder than you even at this age. Impressive job by the Buccaneers getting the job done over Chicago. The Bears' offensive line needs to be better. Matt Nagy actually tested positive uh, with COVID, so he's going to be out. It's looking like next week against the 49ers as well. I'm going to be curious to see how the Bears respond to that. Sunday Night Football, the Colts defeat the 49ers 30-18. to I wanted to dig deep into this game later in the show. Talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan, and everything going on with San Francisco. And... The weather in this game was terrible. The rain really coming down in the Bay Area. It was one of the better rain football games I remember. I know it wasn't a great game, but the weather made it at least somewhat enjoyable in my opinion. I was impressed with Carson Wentz in this one. He has been playing much better than I think people have realized with this Indianapolis Colts team. With Frank Wright, considering uh, the injuries he, he was dealing with before the start of the season as well. But he finished this game... 17 of 26, 150 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And he was just clearly the better quarterback than Jimmy G in this one. And even though the Titans are playing really good football, I don't think the Colts should be a team we forget about just because they are always a team that never starts off the season well, especially under Frank Reich. 
And then all of a sudden, you turn around, and they find themselves right back in the playoff conversation. This was a good win. They're now sitting at 3-4 and four after seven weeks. And then finally, Monday Night Football, the Saints defeat the Seahawks by a final score of 13-10. to 10. By the way, with San Francisco, if you want their perspective, we're going to get into the 49ers uh, later in the show, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. And then going back, Monday Night Football, the Saints beat the Seahawks by a final score of 13 to 10. This game was ugly. I think the Seahawks are in trouble and watching this game it beca- it kind of became a little bit clear to me why Russell Wilson may have been wanting out of Seattle during the offseason. The Seahawks identity on offense should be Russ throwing deep to Metcalf, Russ throwing deep to Lockett, and I understand Geno Smith was under center in this game so your game plan is obviously going to be a little bit different, but Pete Carroll is just obsessed with running the ball. Shane Waldron, the new Seahawks offensive coordinator who they got from the Rams, I thought was going to be a big difference maker from this team, at least making their offense a little bit more modern. But then somehow, some way, this offense looks worse than it did last year with Brian Schottenheimer running things. I mean, at least the Seahawks offense for the first eight weeks of last season looked elite. It looked like one of the better units in the league. So far, that hasn't happened. Decent win by the Saints. I still don't necessarily trust Jameis Winston and Sean Payton going forward. But the Saints defense is good. Alvin Kamara is a star. And there's no one really else in the NFC that I think could make the playoffs. Just because of the Saints record right now, they're sitting at 4-2. and two. I mentioned them, the Vikings, as the two teams I think would have the best path to the final two playoff spots in the NFC after the top five. But we'll see what happens. I think the Saints are one of those teams that could really beat anyone or lose to anyone on a week-in, week-out basis. That was Around the NFL, week number seven edition, Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. The Cincinnati Bengals have to be one of the major storylines throughout the first half of the NFL season. And really, they are the number one surprise team in the league, in my opinion. And there are so many different things to discuss with the Cincinnati Bengal team and the start that they have been off to. And I feel like even though throughout their first six games, they were able to get off to a really nice start. They, for the first time in a couple of years, were able to win some games that historically over the last couple of years, they haven't won. Whether it was beating the Minnesota Vikings in week one in overtime, that was a very close game, but Joe Burrow was the better quarterback on the field that day. He was able to make enough plays and lead the Bengals to victory. The game even against the Jaguars, they were down 14 nothing at halftime during that Thursday night game, and they were able to find a way to win that one. And then on Sunday, after, let's face it, I was impressed with the Bengals going into Detroit and beating the Lions because that was the game after Dan Campbell got on the podium. Remember when the Lions lost that devastating, heartbreaking game to the Minnesota Vikings on a 54-yard field goal? You really thought that was going to be the first time all season that the Lions got that win. They were really excited to get. They still haven't gotten it yet, unfortunately. I did like the effort they showed against the Rams, but unfortunately for them, was just not enough. So, I thought the Bengals were actually going to be a little bit vulnerable going into that game against Detroit, but quite frankly, it was the opposite. The Bengals just kicked the lines behind from start to finish in that one, and then all of a sudden you turn around and you realize, wow, the Bengals right now are 4-2 and going into this huge game in the division 
against the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens have been a team that a lot of people, including myself, have really hyped up over the last couple weeks just because Lamar Jackson was playing incredible football. We saw what he was able to do on that Monday night game against the Indianapolis Colts, leading the Ravens to a comeback victory that in the first half, the Colts were playing so well, they were just the much better team than the Ravens. I really didn't know if Lamar would be capable of getting the job done. He's able to lead the Ravens back from a 16-point deficit in that game, and the Ravens win that one. The following week, they play the Chargers, and that's a Charger offense that was absolutely humming going into that game. Brandon Staley has been the coach that so many people have really been impressed with of the first-year guys. He has the Chargers playing very aggressive football, and the Ravens were the first team that really made the Chargers pay for those decisions going for it on a handful of fourth downs. And the Ravens, honestly... Going into this game against the Cincinnati Bengals, key word going into, they had a case to declare themselves as the best team in the AFC. But Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Cincinnati Bengals really did have something to say about that because the Bengals won this game and dominated from start to finish. I know it was close, but really, throughout the first two and a half quarters of this game, it really appeared to me that Joe Burrow was the better quarterback, and the Bengals were the better team in this one. I was so impressed with the command that Joe Burrow has taken of the Cincinnati Bengal team. And keep in mind, Joe Burrow is doing this, right? He's having a phenomenal season. I firmly believe he is right now in the MVP conversation. That's how good of a season he has had so far. I really do think that people, they're forgetting that not only did Joe Burrow suffer a devastating knee injury last year, it was in like November. It was pretty late in the season. And this guy already has, it looks like he's fully recovered. I know he hasn't, but he's playing at an elite level. And he has the Bengals right now. If the season ended today, they would be the number one seed in the AFC. He has 17 touchdowns, eight picks, a 108.9 quarterback rating, which is up from his 89.8 rating from last year. That is what you want to see from your young quarterback. You want to see your young quarterback improve and get better throughout time. But when they suffer a gruesome knee injury, and let's face it, the Cincinnati Bengals historically have not been the best place where young quarterbacks especially who are drafted number one overall, go to succeed. We all remember when Joe Burrow got drafted, the Carson Palmer comparisons, but he is so good that he has led the Cincinnati Bengals throughout seven weeks to the number one seed in the AFC. They are sitting at five and two, and they have played phenomenal football. And one L I really have to take is on draft night, the Cincinnati Bengals selected Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU. If you remember, Jamar Jamar Burrow, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow actually played on the same college team with Justin Jefferson, with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Ironically enough, Ed Orgeron was the head coach and he was just fired from LSU. If you haven't seen that story yet, you should. Just some absolutely crazy things apparently going on at LSU practice over the last couple of years since that uh, national championship was won. But we watched that team with Burrow, Chase, Jefferson, and that was legitimately one of the best teams in the history of college football. Definitely one of the best teams 
in college football since I've started watching. And Joe Burrow gets drafted number one overall to the Bengals. But I feel like not a lot of people, especially right away, thought that he would be able to make this big of an impact. Keep in mind, Joe Burrow actually started his career in the state of Ohio, playing for Urban Meyer at Ohio State, but Dwayne Haskins actually ended up beating him out for that job, and Burrow ended up transferring to LSU. And even, I remember, during his first year at LSU, he was fine. He had LSU winning some games, but he was never considered to be a major first-round NFL prospect. And then Joe Brady comes in, and he has Joe Burrow as the best quarterback in college football, and he put together one of the best seasons in college football history. But the Bengals had a decision to make, right? They had Jamar Chase on the board. They even had Jalen Waddell from Alabama, who went to the Dolphins, and Devonta Smith from Alabama, who went to the Philadelphia Eagles. And they had Panay Sewell from Oregon, who many people going into the draft considered to be a guy who was a once-in-a-generation type prospect at left tackle. Sewell and Chase had the one thing in common of both sitting out the 2020 college football season due to COVID. And Joe Burrow, it's apparent, he really wanted the Bengals to draft his guy, Jamar Chase. And that was hard for me to accept because even though the Bengals didn't have elite weapons, they drafted a wide receiver uh, along with Joe Burrow in 2020 in T. Higgins. He looks like he's a pretty solid player. They also have Tyler Boyd, a receiver I really like. Joe Mixon is a nice running back weapon in the backfield. And Jonah Williams, the left tackle Cincinnati drafted a couple years ago, he was banged up his rookie year. I didn't know if Cincinnati would be able to rely on him on a consistent basis. So I really thought the Bengals, especially when you consider that Joe Burrow was coming off a bad, bad knee injury where he got popped pretty good by Chase Young. It wasn't a dirty hit, but his knee just got bent in some bad directions. And Burrow has taken some really big hits since he's gotten to the NFL. Not going to lie, there were some people drawing some comparisons to Andrew Luck when he started his career with the Indianapolis Colts. He was obviously playing some great football, but the Indianapolis Colts, for some reason, didn't make it a priority to protect one of the best uh, quarterback prospects we've ever seen, a guy who is a once-in-a-generation talent like Andrew Luck, and I don't think Joe Burrow is that far off. Like The Colts really failed to protect him, and I thought with the draft pick of Jamar Chase, the Bengals we're going to do the same thing in Joe Burrow, considering he got a knee injury his first year. I really didn't think the future was going to be bright, and I just thought he would just get killed. But Jamar Chase has been a revelation. I really do think right now he is already one of the five best wide receivers in the NFL. He is a total game changer. Marlon Humphrey is one of the better corners in the NFL. We know just how much the Baltimore Ravens are really relying on him as a cornerstone of their defense with the injury to Marcus Peters. And Jamar Chase, on that 82-yard touchdown, he just put him in in a blender, as Kevin Harlan said, and got away from him all the way to the end zone, which really led the Bengals on their way to securing this big-time 41-17 victory over the Baltimore Ravens. And look, My one small concern about the Bengals going forward is Zach Taylor because, look, I've been impressed with their defense. Rich Amaruo, their defensive coordinator, deserves a lot of credit. The Bengals' defense, they kind of remind me a little bit of the Dolphins' 
defensive unit from 2020. It's a unit that has some big names. They have probably the best safety combination in the NFL with Jesse Bates and Von Bell bringing in Trey Hendrickson from the Saints, bringing in Larry Ogunjobi from the Saints as well. The Bengals, along with their linebackers in Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt, they have some guys on the defensive side of the ball, which has kept them in a lot of games, only holding Lamar Jackson, a quarterback that going into this game, I thought was firmly in control at the top of the list in terms of MVP candidates. If you would have asked me actually going into this game against the Bengals, who I would have voted for, In terms of the MVP going into this season, my answer actually would have been Lamar Jackson. Well, the Bengals defense did a pretty good job shutting down that discussion as they were really able to contain Lamar, only holding the Ravens to 17 points. And right now, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase remind me of Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown without... All of the nonsense that went on off the field with A.B., they are all business, they love football, and the chemistry that they have already after playing together in college for a couple years and a season in the NFL has been really fun to watch. And Zach Taylor is my one small concern for the Bengals. He is not a coach that I 100% trust going forward, but I have to give the guy credit. He's done a really good job with this team. He has this team always ready to play, always winning games. The frustrating part in the Bengals' losses, especially in the one against the Green Bay Packers, was his decision-making wasn't great. Even uh, in that week one game against the Minnesota Vikings, I didn't necessarily know if he knew what he was doing in terms of some fourth-down decisions there. But still, the Bengals come to play for them. They always find a way to win, and they are sitting at 5-2 and two and first place right now in not only the AFC North, but the number one overall seed in the AFC. Joe Burrow is an absolute baller. I do believe he deserves to be in the conversation with guys like Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, uh, Kyler Murray in terms of best young quarterback in the NFL. He is that good. Shout out to the Bengals. Shout out to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They should run president, vice president, 2024. Burrow Chase, 2024. Cincinnati Bengals, first place, AFC. The next segment of today's show will be us digging deep into the Sunday night football game. If you missed it, the Indianapolis Colts defeated the San Francisco 49ers by a final score of 30-18. to And the weather in San Francisco, Santa Clara, California actually was bad. The rain was coming down hard. There are a lot of people from the West Coast that have said... Uh, Usually it doesn't rain that much in San Francisco in the Bay Area, and they were really freaking out just because that is a crazy amount of rain compared to what they usually see. It's not Florida where it rains every day. So San Francisco, the game was played in deep, deep rain. And look, Jimmy Garoppolo ended up getting the start for the 49ers at quarterback in this one. And let's be honest, I just think he was super, super underwhelming, but... Before we even get into Jimmy Garoppolo and the game that he played, I wanted to talk about Kyle Shanahan because Kyle Shanahan has been a coach that even though he was the offensive coordinator of the biggest Super Bowl blown lead in the history of the NFL, 28-3, when he was with the Atlanta Falcons and he has had that offense rolling with Matt Ryan, I always thought that even though Kyle was the offensive coordinator for that team 
overall, that season as a whole really impressed me, despite what happened in the Super Bowl, just because of the work he was able to do with Matt Ryan. We've seen Matt Ryan play football on a consistent basis for the last 12, 13 years now, and he has never looked better than when he was partnered up with Kyle Shanahan. And really, since Kyle Shanahan left the Falcons throughout Dan Quinn's last couple years, and Arthur Smith has done an okay job so far this season. They've won a couple games in a row. Good job there. But the Falcons were at their peak when Kyle Shanahan was running things on offense as the OC. And the head coach, to be honest, is responsible for that Super Bowl loss. He is responsible for all the play calls if he didn't like it. Dan Quinn is a defensive guy. It was his defense that let the uh, Falcons lose that game. But anyway, I always excuse Kyle Shanahan from that. And then also, even though he always had a losing record over the last couple of years, he obviously had that one really good season where he balled out as a head coach. I was putting him in the same category as a guy like Sean McVay just because I think we all knew at the time, even though Jimmy Garoppolo was getting the job done and winning games, the execution and the scheming of Kyle Shanahan was absolutely phenomenal. And he was able to win games on a consistent basis with Jimmy Garoppolo. But despite that, the 49ers made a move this offseason and they decided to draft Trey Lance, which was really a sign that going forward, even though in the past Jimmy Garoppolo was able to win a lot of football games for them, uh, they didn't necessarily believe in him. They wanted an upgrade at quarterback and they drafted Trey Lance. But with Shanahan, I just don't love the way this season has gotten off to in terms of the start. And it's already Halloween. The 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks, who we saw play last night on Monday Night Football, are combined 4-9. and nine. And I understand we all predicted and projected the NFC West to be probably the best division in football. But Seattle and San Francisco right now are just two bad football teams. And the 49ers, I think, proved that right now at least— they're a bad football team based on their performance in a must-win game on Sunday Night Football against the Colts. Because when you look at that division, Arizona right now, they're sitting at 7-0. They're too good. They beat San Francisco straight up. You look at the Los Angeles Rams, they haven't played San Francisco yet. And I totally understand historically, Shanahan's teams have actually played well against McVay. Even though I, do, I did start off the segment saying... Putting Shanahan in the same conversation as a head coach like McVay could be a mistake based on the trajectories of their teams right now. And I think that's the main uh, point I wanted to wrap with uh, to start off this first half of the segment is that Kyle Shanahan, even though he wasn't winning every year, was always a guy who I considered to be a really good head coach just because he was always able to do more with less. I was actually impressed with last year, at least for the first half of the season, San Francisco had everyone out. Garoppolo was hurt. Kittle was hurt. They had so many injuries, so many COVID issues. And the 49ers, you remember they went into Foxborough and absolutely blow, blew out the New England Patriots? They were impressive for the first half of their season. And I understand this is a 49er team also that has dealt with a lot of adversity. They literally got kicked out of their home county. They usually play in Santa Clara. As we know, they had to play home games 
at the University of Phoenix Stadium, State Farm Stadium, I believe it's called now, the Arizona Cardinals home field became San Francisco's home field. And the 49ers literally have not won a game at their current stadium in over a year. It's been that long. The last game they won at Levi Stadium was October 4th, 2020 against the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday Night Football. So 49er fans are frustrated that they haven't seen their team win at home. And I think watching this game, that frustration definitely had to accumulate over time. Because look, San Francisco, they got off to a 2-0 start, which was impressive. But at the same time, was it really impressive? They beat the Detroit Lions barely. If you remember, they got off to an absolutely huge lead in that game San Francisco looked like the better team for the first three and a half quarters but for some reason they allowed Jared Goff and the Lions to storm back in that game and the only reason San Francisco was able to hold on and win was because they stopped Detroit on a two-point conversion if Detroit hits that and goes into overtime to be honest I wouldn't have loved San Francisco's chances to win that game they beat the Philadelphia Eagles in a very low scoring game but then they lose to the Packers they lose at home to the Seattle Seahawks they lose to the the Arizona Cardinals with Trey Lance getting the start. And look, let's get into the quarterbacks a little bit. I said on the show a couple weeks ago, I did a segment uh, for the 49ers. I believe it was after the Seahawks game, before that game against Arizona, that I did believe Trey Lance should be the starting quarterback going forward. And this is another real critique I have of Kyle Shanahan. I started off this segment by saying I was a big Kyle Shanahan fan going into this season. And not going to lie, for someone that had really big expectations in the 49ers, keep in mind, San Francisco was a team that was the Vegas favorite to win the NFC West prior to the start of the season. And they've been one of the more disappointing teams in the NFL. They're lucky teams like Kansas City and Miami exist, but San Francisco has been very disappointing. And Kyle Shanahan, even though he decided to draft a quarterback and he signaled that it was going to be time for the 49ers to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. He played the situation like the 49ers were the Kansas City Chiefs uh, a couple years ago when they drafted Patrick Mahomes. And the reason why I always hated that comparison when it came to the summer and at the early portion of the season was because this situation with San Francisco was nothing really like Kansas City. When Alex Smith was the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City was in the playoffs consistently on a year-in, year-out basis. Patrick Mahomes was a project. He came from the Big 12. Let's be honest. Historically, not a lot of good quarterbacks that have came out of the Big 12 uh, were good, and Mahomes was able to start that 17th game and show us something. Trey Lance, I understand he didn't play football uh, in 2020 due to COVID and the fact he played at an FCS school, but Jimmy Garoppolo has really only had one consistent season of winning under center for San Francisco, but also he's only had one real consistent season of staying healthy and staying on the field. And Kyle Shanahan knew that it was time to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, and he knew that ultimately if the 49ers wanted to win the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't going to be the guy, but the quarterback he drafted doesn't seem to be ready, and that's okay. I understand that if you're a rookie, 
You shouldn't always be able to come into the games right away and be ready. Not everyone is Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. But at the same time, it's got to be frustrating that the 49ers really did think by drafting a guy like Trey Lance, who was a project who knew, who they apparently knew was going to take some time to develop, Kyle Shanahan really thought that this roster with Jimmy Garoppolo was a possible Super Bowl contender, and he really downplayed the idea of naming a quarterback throughout the portion of the offseason, I do think that could have a little bit to do with this situation as well. If Shanahan would have been able to name a clear, established leader under center who would have been able to lead this offense and who the receivers and the offensive line would be able to get to used to being worked with, like that would have been huge for the San Francisco 49er team. And I think in a way that could have cost them. Brandon Ayuk, this is a guy who Last year showed some really good flashes for the San Francisco 49ers. He's nowhere to be found. And apparently Kyle Shanahan really likes him, he said. But he needs to start to learn to grind. He needs to, you know, make uh, be better on the field. He needs to be smarter. He needs to learn the playbook, stuff like that. He is clearly in the doghouse. But then I watch guys like Mohamed Sanu. I watch a guy... Uh, who isn't really a playmaker over there getting the job done, especially when you compare him to Ayuk. I also look at Trent Sherfield, like fine players, but you drafted Brandon Ayuk in the first round for a reason. George Kittle is hurt. Raheem Mostert is hurt. Elijah Mitchell has been a really nice story at running back, but really Debo Samuel and Mitchell were the only threats on offense for the 49ers. And I'll give credit to the Colts. Carson Wentz at quarterback, a guy who... Over the last couple of years has really been under a lot of scrutiny and it was clear uh, it was best for both sides for him to move on from the Philadelphia Eagles. I really liked that he was going to be teaming up with Frank Reich, a coach that was with him during Wentz's best moments before his ACL injury the year the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017. Carson Wentz in poor weather on the road was able to make more plays than Jimmy Garoppolo. Without T.Y. Hilton in the lineup, he and Michael Pittman were really able to connect, and the Colts' defense was able to make enough plays. They were able to force turnovers with Jimmy G, and they were able to secure the victory for Indianapolis. If I was a 49er fan, I really would not be happy at all. This was a frustrating game, and I would just be frustrated that even though your team knew that it would be best to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback. They still decided to bring and build a team that many people, including themselves, thought was good enough to win a Super Bowl championship. And clearly, with Jimmy G under center in this NFC West, it is not good enough to get the job done. I really did think that Sunday night could have been a must-win game for the San Francisco 49ers, considering the fact that they are now about four games behind the Los Angeles Rams, five games behind the Arizona Cardinals. And for the first time, I'm really starting to lose some faith in Kyle Shanahan. The start to this season from him has not been good at all. And we always compare him and Sean McVay and as two of the best young coaches in the NFL and two guys that are really going to be next in terms of the future great coaches in this league. Right now, Sean McVay has his legacy going in one direction and Kyle Shanahan based on recent events has his legacy going in another I'm disappointed with the 49ers that was a brutal effort Sunday night football against the Colts 
Moving on to the last and final segment of today's show, you know that we had to get into it. The Tennessee Titans on Sunday went out there in Nashville at home and they defeated the Chiefs by a final score of 27-3. to And I think there are so many things to talk about from this game, so many perspectives to talk about, and I will start here. Really good job by the Titans. The fact that they were able in a six-day span to pick up wins over Kansas City and Buffalo. And even though the Titans before that little stretch were playing well, they were 3-2, and two, they still had some moments that really made you scratch their head. For example, losing to the Jets, getting blown out in Week 1 by the Arizona Cardinals. And I totally understand the Cardinals are one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL, the only remaining undefeated team. But Tennessee, I expected them to perform a little bit better in that game And they obviously got blown out. But for them to win two games against Buffalo and Kansas City, both at home in a two-game stretch, is super impressive. And I believe it should put them in the conversation for contenders in the AFC. Derrick Henry is the kind of player that as long as he is on your team, you are going to have a legitimate chance to win. He is performing on a Hall of Fame level over the past two and a half years, and it's crazy because with running backs, when you have a sustained level of excellence, usually it's not supposed to continue on a consistent basis uh, over a span of a year or two, and Derrick Henry has proven that could sometimes be wrong as he has really been able to elevate his game. The Titans, I believe, in terms of a passing offense, look like a much better team uh, when A.J. Brown is healthy. Ryan Tannehill and A.J. really played well. And good job by the Titans. I'll give them credit for this performance. But the main storyline from this game has to come from the Chiefs' perspective. And this is another game where Kansas City showed that so far this season, they are the most disappointing team in the NFL. And I totally understand that Throughout Patrick Mahomes' first couple years in the NFL, he did some absolutely incredible things. He was able to lead the Kansas City Chiefs to three consecutive AFC Championship game appearances. He was able to win an MVP his first year. He was able to win a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP his second year. And in his third year, in the games that he started, Kansas City went 14-1, and 15-1. And they made it to the Super Bowl. He won some playoff games as well. Mahomes has had as good of a start in his first three years in the NFL as anyone we've really ever seen. There weren't many people, and I believe it was appropriate. I believe it was rightfully so, who were comparing Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady. That was the trajectory his career was looking at. But it's the NFL. The NFL is the kind of sport where it reminds you... As long as you have consistent players, you always have a chance to win. But once you put that team together, once you win on a consistent basis like Kansas City has, not only does the league's target and the league's eyes get bigger on you, uh, I feel like one reason why Kansas City hasn't necessarily been as good this year as they've been in years past is because when you play a team like Kansas City, it is literally your Super Bowl. You have to come ready to play from all assets. And there used to be a certain fear factor with Kansas City, right? Over the last couple of years, when you faced 
this team, it was almost the mentality of we have to play a perfect game to win. But so far this season, it hasn't been that at all. And it really starts with the turnovers. Before this game, Kansas City had many instances throughout the start of the season where you could look at some of their losses Really, everyone besides the loss against Buffalo, where they clearly just got dominated, and you could have just said, okay, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire doesn't fumble the ball against the Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City easily could have won that game. You could look at the game against the Los Angeles Chargers, and it's clear that I don't even think Kansas City's defense necessarily played badly in that game. It was just the fact that, once again, in the first half, their offense could not stop turning the ball over, and I totally understand that it is appropriate to think that at some point this season, the offense, it's too good to keep on doing that, but at the same time, we've literally been saying that over the last couple games, so it is apparent that Kansas City, they just turn the ball over on a consistent basis. Mahomes has thrown 15 interceptions in his last 15 games. Personally, I am not worried about Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to be fine. He is the least of the Chiefs' concerns. Their defense obviously has not been getting the job done. Andy Reid, I do think that he is one of the best coaches in the NFL. He has done such a great job with Patrick Mahomes developing him since he's gotten into the league. He played the situation perfectly, allowing Mahomes to sit out for a year and really gain experience in an NFL locker room, see what defenses around the league look like, and learn behind a very good veteran in Alex Smith. But Andy Reid's coaching has not been great so far this season. Steve Spagnuolo is a championship-winning defensive coordinator, and it took him until last week to finally realize that Daniel Sorensen was just not getting the job done at safety and that it's time to put Juan Thornhill in the game, but that didn't matter. Kansas City, reality has hit them. They have to realize that right now, even if they pick things back up, and I do think as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy, and by the way, that hit that he took in this game, it was scary. I'm really uh, thankful that he didn't get a concussion, and I really do hope that he is going to be 100% and will be ready to play coming up. The Chiefs will be at home Monday night football against the New York Giants. But there were many things that went wrong in this game for Kansas City. And if Mahomes would have been out and would have been uh, absent for a week or two stretch, that would have really uh, been the final nail in the coffin for Kansas City. But as long as Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, and Andy Reid are out there, Kansas City is always going to have a chance. I still do think the Chiefs are going to somehow, some way, find a way to make it in the playoffs. But right now, when you compare them to some of the other teams in the division, the Chargers, not only did they beat Kansas City, but they look like the better team. The Chargers also won that game in Arrowhead. They still have one more meeting. I believe it's actually on Thursday Night Football when the Chiefs go to SoFi Stadium to take on the Chargers. But this game really just showed me that the Chiefs are this. They are a team that especially compared to some of their squads of years past, this 2021 version of Kansas City is just flat out not good enough. They need to be better if they're going to want to win games. The problem is they've been turning the ball over and they've been playing poor defense on a consistent basis. I mean, Frank Clark, a guy who was key to the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl run. He was a guy that over the last couple years, the reason why Kansas City brought him in 
in the first place was because he was a dog. He was a guy on that defense that was tough, that could get others fired up, that could come ready in a street fight kind of game, a punch you in the mouth kind of situation. And he is awful. He is one of the seven most highest paid players in the league, despite the big, lengthy Uh, 10-year contract Mahomes got for all that money. Currently, Frank Clark, the defensive end, has the largest cap hit on the Kansas City Chiefs, and he has done nothing. He has six tackles, which is as many as Chiefs wide receiver Marcus Kemp. If Frank Clark doesn't play better, the Chiefs aren't going to win football games, and he is literally stealing money as how in God's name is he one of the seven most highest paid players in the NFL. Frank Clark has been a massive disappointment. You also look at Jaron Reed, a guy who, look, we know he's not Aaron Donald, but he was a guy that was considered one of the better low-key offseason moves by Brent Veach, a general manager who I totally understand. He's put together a Super Bowl winning roster. He was the one that drafted Patrick Mahomes, but he has missed on many assets of the Chiefs roster. Besides Tyreek Hill, which weapon in terms of the wide receivers, scares you for Kansas City. Besides Hill and Kelsey, which weapon really scares you? It's not Byron Pringle. It's not Demarcus Robinson. Josh Gordon is a name, but he hasn't really done much since he's gotten into Kansas City. So they don't really have any weapons that scare you outside of Hill and Kelsey. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a running back who the Chiefs took in the first round. I had no problem with that pick. You guys know my theory when it comes to... Edwards Alaire, he is a guy that I had no problem with Kansas City drafting in the first round because they were a team that won the Super Bowl. But let's face it, so far this season, when Edwards Alaire has gotten hurt, the running game before this week didn't really take that big of a step backwards with Williams running the thing. We also saw uh, what Damian Williams was able to do with that Super Bowl team. So the running game hasn't really been getting going for Kansas City. And I do think that the Chiefs need to be a team that is a little bit more simple. Mahomes, as great as he is, is one of the more difficult players in the lead to coach just because he's a little bit erratic. Watching Kansas City on multiple like third and six, third and sevens, Mahomes lined up in the shotgun and he's backpedaling a little bit too far on the throws. And before you know it, he's 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage when it's third and seven. That is my only small concern with Kansas City in terms of the structure of their team right now. Obviously, you have the defense. But Andy Reid, the coaching hasn't been as at as high of a level this year as it's been in years past. And when you combine that with the defense and the way that's been struggling, the offensive line didn't play very well at all in this game against Tennessee. I didn't think that I don't think that's Kansas City's number one concern, but they are filling in a lot of new guys with rookies Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. Uh that was the big priority for Kansas City after the Super Bowl, uh given everything that went on with the Buccaneers pass rush, but it's weird because it's almost like Kansas City overreacted to one game and even though the offensive line was a priority, sure, they didn't focus enough on gaining assets for that defense that was all right, last year, you always consider Kansas City's defense is not 
one of the best defensive units in the NFL, but a defensive unit that is always somewhat good enough to get the job done, especially in a big moment when you need them to make one stop over the last two years. They've been able to do that, and then usually the offense is able to take care of business. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they are now sitting at 3-4 and four after losing 27-3 to the Titans. Once again, that was a really impressive win by the Tennessee Titans in a span of six days, beating Buffalo, beating Tennessee, or beating Kansas City, excuse me. They look like Right now, the best team in the AFC South. Mike Vrabel deserves a lot of credit for getting his team ready to play for these two games. Tennessee's defense has been much better than expected. Shane Waldron, the Typhon, or not Shane Waldron, um, Todd Dowling, <laughs> confusing Seattle and Tennessee there. Todd Dowling, the new Titans offensive coordinator, he's been getting the job done, a guy that I was very skeptical of, and I was curious to see how Tennessee would be able to replace Arthur Smith. He is now, obviously, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So Tennessee deserves credit. Derrick Henry, as long as he is in the lineup, they're a legitimate contender in the AFC. Titans 27, Chiefs 3, Kansas City is in big trouble. I think after watching them for seven weeks uh, for a while now, these are the Kansas City Chiefs. They are who we thought they were, and it's not a very good football team. It's crazy to say, but when you watch them on a week-in, week-out basis, they're not good right now. They have to be better. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Episodes will drop multiple times a week as we go over all the most interesting storylines in all of sports. Look forward to talking some football, some college basketball, everything in between. And there is just nothing better than talking sports with you guys on this show. Thanks for listening once again. If you want to get in contact with me, the Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3. YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y. K-R-U-L-L. This was the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Everyone have a good one.